Hello again and welcome to another episode of Real Talk with RJ. If this is your first time listening, please don't forget to like and subscribe and follow so you know exactly when we release brand new episodes. Also, don't forget to share. If you like what you hear, share it with everyone you know. Let's get this message of truth out to the whole entire world. So far, the show, as of the time of this recording, this show has reached over 12 countries and it is growing very fast. So I want to continue to keep growing it and hopefully you help me spread that message. The focus of this episode is going to be talking about how to keep yourself protected in public and private places, how not to become a victim. There are so many different threats out there these days and, and before you know you could see a threat coming from a mile away but now it's uh it's getting pretty crazy people have grown so ballsy these days that you can be in broad daylight eating a meal with your partner your friend or whomever and these individuals would just walk right up to you in a public restaurant put a gun to your head or like just sit there and show you a gun and just start taking everything from you now these days it's really hard to to escape situations like that people are going to movie theaters to watch a movie and have a good time and and then somebody comes into the movie theater and starts shooting it up you know kids are going to schools and and unfortunately shootings are happening now before i get into that um i it's important to address something remember that the internet is it's huge but at the same time it's pretty small what do I mean by that? There are hundreds of thousands of different schools and every day you don't hear about a shooting every day from every one of these schools, but you can hear a shooting happen in one school and then you hear a shooting happen in another school in the same month. People are like, this is happening a lot. Like, yes, the loss of life is horrible, especially when you're considering children. At any time, the loss of life for children is horrible that's horrific it's it's completely barbaric but it's not common it's important to not make the mistake and miss a misunderstanding that seeing a shooting happen uh, happen in two different schools within the same month is not a commonality because you're seeing two schools that are highlighted on the media that give you the false impression that this is a common occurrence when in reality there's hundreds of thousands of schools nationwide that don't have this happen it's the same thing when you see, uh, when you hear about on the media, um, oh, another, let's say just for example, uh, oh my gosh, another white cop just shot this black man unarmed. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. You see it happen and you're like, see, this is happening a lot. But what you're not hearing about and the reason why you're not hearing about it is because the truth doesn't sell. Non-conflict doesn't sell. People don't care about non-conflict. How many other white officers are there in the United States that are pulling over just to keep with this specific scenario, other black men and have not shot them, have not beat them. You're not hearing about that because it's not pertinent to the narrative that black men getting shot by white cops is a commonality. What about the black cops that have shot black, uh, black men? You're not hearing about that either because it doesn't push the narrative. So it's important to, to realize that you may be seeing a viral video of an occurrence and you happen to see a viral video of one occurrence before that not too long before it but these are a, a few instances which of course yeah innocent people being shot is always wrong but i'm saying it's important to distinct uh, distinguish that these few occur occurrences that we're seeing happen 
are a very small drop in a big, big ocean of occurrences that do not have this end result. You can't sit there and make the mistake of saying, all these black men are getting shot by all these white cops. But then you, when you look at the numbers and you go, oh crap, there was, you know, just throwing a random number out there. There were 170,000 black men that were pulled over today. And 170,000 of them were not shot. And over a month, there were 2 million black men that were pulled over. And only one of them were shot. So you, that's a very, very small, that, like you have a greater chance of dying from a car accident than being a black man shot in America. It's just like the statistics actually are there. And if you really want to be honest with yourself and just take race out, just look at facts as facts. That's what I'm saying. So it's important first and foremost to understand that something that is happening a lot, you may be getting a larger population. Like in statistics, the larger the population, the more likely something is to happen. If I take the city of, um, if I take some, like the city of Calabasas and then look at the crime rate there, it's a very wealthy uh, city in um, in Los Angeles County. Uh, or actually, I think it's in Los Angeles County. Um, but it's a very wealthy uh, city. And lots of celebrities live out there. Lots of very high-end wealthy in, uh, individuals live out there. The crime is very low out there. Of course, they have a very, um, very strong, you know, police force and security in the private communities, etc. But the fact is, is that if you look at that small population and you just sit there and use those statistics for the entire United States, there's little to no crime. But when you expand cities, when you expand population numbers, rather than saying this little town versus this whole state versus the whole Western hemisphere versus the entire world, like the numbers grow and the the occurrence of a situation happens more often because you're including more people so to show to show um to show a larger population it is interesting it's very interesting to show a larger population um that has more um more occurrences happening so that's one of the reasons why we're seeing a lot of um, we're seeing a lot of occurrences of the same crime happening on the on the internet because of the fact that we're showing a larger population being highlighted. But it doesn't mean that this is a common occurrence when you're using the entire United States as your population. Does that make sense? So if they're showing that a robbery happened in Los Angeles today. And then another robbery happened in Los Angeles today. And then another robbery happened in Los Angeles today. And then another, if they showing that, then yeah, this is a common occurrence in this population. But if you take the entire United States and go, oh, there were 170,000 robberies today. Of course, there's gonna be more robberies because you're involving more people, which makes it more common. It's your population is much larger. So that's one of the things that I wanted to uh, um, just kind of give a caveat that it's important to realize that first and foremost, just because a white cop, as this is like a disclaimer, because just because a white cop shoots a black man does not mean it is racially based or racially motivated. It's important for people just to realize, um, uh, it's important for people to realize that um, it's not common for, um, Oh, excuse me, I, my fiance just sent me a text message. I apologize. 
Um, it's important for people to realize that you don't automatically uh, uh, assume certain characteristics to a situation just because of the fact that it may look similar to something else. You know, like if, for example, if you see a man who hit his woman and the woman's outside, she's got a bruise on her face and, and the man's inside there, it doesn't mean he's necessarily a woman beater. How do you know? And I'm not taking the side of a woman beater. I'm just saying in this scenario, how do you know that woman wasn't sitting there and throwing knives at him and coming at him with a knife and, and beating him and hitting him with a bat and stuff like that? How do you know this woman wasn't assaulting him and he just punched her to get him off him? And then as soon as he punched her, knocked her off him, he got outside and he he left the area and the police were called. She said, I'm going to call the police on you. you. We don't know the factors behind a situation. We immediately, we are, we as humans, we have this, this uh, innate desire to have a conclusion to everything. We don't like leave, like when you see a movie, if the movie has a stupid ending that you feel doesn't satisfy the, the, the script, we get irritated. We're like, are you serious? You're just going to drop off right there? Like, I need to know what happens next. And in and, and the little uh, series that we watch, um, if they end at a at like Game of Thrones or any other series that we watch, if they end and it's like to be continued, we get mad. We're like, oh, you suck. I need to know what happens to Barbara or I need to know what happens to this tribe or, you know, we need to have a conclusion. Leaving things un unconcluded, they just, they're, they they bother us. So we often, you know, assume our own conclusion on situations and scenarios like, oh, that man was getting arrested for beating. Yeah, he's probably beating the crap out of her rather than saying, you know, wow, that's really sad. I'm not going to form an opinion because I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know either of them. I don't know if she was being violent and he was defending himself or he's just a piece of crap woman beater. You know, I, I don't know that. So I'm not going to form an opinion. I had so many dudes that I knew um, that used to really get irritated with me whenever we would see a, a, a black man be shot by a police officer. They were like, see, another racist shooting, another race. I'm like, wait, dude, calm down. We haven't seen the entire tape. All we saw is a white cop shoot a black man. We didn't see how the whole thing started. We didn't see from the inception of the, of the car stop. When his camera was turned on originally, when he first pulled the guy over and said, and radioed in and said, I'm on scene, hold this car over blah 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 and let's move forward we didn't see from that part we don't know if the suspect had actually pretended to reach for something or did something suspicious because what you don't know and i'm not taking the side of the police officers but what most people have no idea of is what it's like to be in a situation where you are approaching a person you have no idea who they are and you don't know if they have a gun in their car you don't know if they are a runaway suspect you don't know if they're uh, one of a murder and refusing to go back to jail. You have no idea. You have a split second to determine whether or not you go home and see your family tonight. As a veteran, we know what that feels like. Because when we're clearing houses and going through and, and, uh, and looking for the enemy and stuff like that, we have a split second to determine whether or not somebody's a threat. Because just because they have an AK-47 in their hand doesn't mean that they're a threat to us. If they raise that AK, we have a split second to respond. And sometimes people shoot at us and we can't even return fire because we need to focus on the mission. We have to radio in, hey, we're receiving contact from the right side over the city. And they were like, just move forward. Don't, don't address the city. It's not worth it. And we're like, seriously, they're shooting at us and we can't even shoot back. So there's a lot of factors that people don't understand. And a lot of people think that police officers shooting someone in the leg, they can shoot someone in the leg and... 
you think that cops are these sharpshooting snipers they really not i had a buddy that actually used to train police officers in the gun range and the overwhelming majority of them don't know how to shoot for crap one of the reasons why is because after the academy when they actually do shoot they don't really go back to the the gun range to go shoot the reason why is because they're not getting paid to do it and a lot of those cops are not enthusiastic about volunteering their time to go to the shooting range they rather just go ahead and say, you know, I'm gonna go home. I'm tired. I did my I did my 10 hours today. I'm going home. So they don't get the extra practice of learning how to shoot a firearm. But the SWAT team do. SWAT team are always shooting. So there's a lot of factors. I think we need, we do need to cut some of these cops some slack because there are a lot of really good officers. And there are a lot of really crappy, power-hungry officers that were bullied as kids and now trying to get, you know, revenge. There are woman beater officers. There's officers of all kinds. So just I wanted to add those things on just to kind of maybe expand a person's um, uh, perspective that just because we see something happen on the Internet more than, you know, more than often or we see it happen a couple times a week or a couple times a month does not mean it's common. If it's happening a couple of times a week, a month, etc. in the same city, it's common in that city. But remember, the more people you add to a study or to a population, the more common something appears. So don't make the mistake of thinking something is common nationwide when it's only happening in a city or in a state or in a town, unless this is happening, you see this happening, oh, this happened in every state every day. Okay, now it's common. It's a problem or it's a big problem now. So getting back to uh, the subject, I mean, I, I know I kind of went off on that part, but I felt it was really important to understand that. Um. So protecting yourself. First, when you go on an airplane, if you're going to go on an airplane, the best places to sit are actually near the window. The reason why, and I've actually said this, and, and the reason why I'm actually bringing this subject up is before is because recently I did an episode and um, I, I was I, I like to listen to my episodes just to see where I could have improved, how I could have done that differently, how I could have said something differently. Um, did I get boring? Like I, I'm always critiquing myself because I'm always trying to get better. That's one of the reasons why I like to listen to what you guys think. I like to ask you guys to come on and join me and, and tell me what you guys think, what you guys feel, um, how you respond to these things, how you, uh, if you agree, disagree, if there's something I missed or you, you know, I like to learn those things because I'm always trying to improve. So um, I heard myself say, oh, I should do an episode about uh, protecting yourselves. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot to do that episode. So. Let's um let's do that today. So in protecting yourself, when you get on an airplane, don't sit in the aisle. Why do I say that? Is because for one, if there is a terrorist on board the aircraft, they're not gonna reach over somebody to grab somebody sitting in the aisle. If they're gonna grab a hostage, it's nine times out of 10, it's gonna be somebody in the aisle. You're accessible, you're right there, they can grab you, they can stab you, and you wouldn't see it coming because you're not paying attention. And you know, people in the aisle, they might get hit by the uh, by the um, the little cart that the the flight attendant pushes. But nonetheless, a lot of those people are asleep. They're not paying attention to anything else, and they're doing their own thing. So, terrorists, when they look for um, for hostages, they're going to get the most easily accessible individuals. So, try not to sit in the aisle if you can avoid it. Even on a bus, always sit next to the window. It's very important. Um, also, people are like, oh, well, I don't have to worry about that because, you know, there's, there's an air marshal on board on every one of these planes. Well, it's not guaranteed, first of all, that there's an air marshal on every plane. There are air marshals, but they're also understaffed. 
So it's likely that, or it's possible, not likely, but it's possible that you could be on a flight that does not have an air marshal. It's even more possible that you have, or more likely that you have one air marshal on board. What if there are two terrorists? The air marshal is going to wait until he sees a threat, you know, um, and if there's, they're smart, they know these terrorists are not going to be stupid. If they're able to get weapons on board a plane and hijack a plane, they're pretty smart because it's not as easy as you think to actually get a plane on. I mean, you get a weapon on board. It's also <laughs> contradictory. It is easier than you can imagine if a person knows what they're doing and they know how to play the part because TSA is not T like they do studies about how many weapons are able to get past TSA. They have people that literally are paid by the government to see if TSA is actually effective. They dissuade people from doing stuff, but you're more likely to lose some lotion than you are to lose a gun. That's how effective they are. But you can still get caught if you don't know what you're doing. And I don't encourage anyone to try to bring a carry on. That's a weapon. Um, so if there is one terrorist, or if there's multiple terrorists, one terrorist, they could plan and say, you know, I'm just gonna have one terrorist get up there and he's gonna start the problem. He's gonna, um, he's gonna be the one that, uh, uh, pulls a hostage, starts de making demands, etc. And then the air marshal is going to wait to see if there's another terrorist. And when he sees there's only one up there, of course, you're going to have a lot of people inside the uh, in the plane that are going to try to be a hero and uh, say, no, I'm not going down. But nobody wants to uh, nobody wants to shoot this guy. So when the air marshal finally shows himself and goes, I'm the air marshal, and he's going to be the only one with a gun on, on board the aircraft. When he gets up and shows himself, the other terrorist goes, OK, there he is. That's the other threat. And then he shoots him takes his gun and now you got somebody from the back and you got somebody in the front and then they have the whole plane unless people are willing to get shot to take down these terrorists so best thing to do is sit next to the airplane uh, sit next to the uh, the window so you're safe or you're safer you know at least you're not the hostage you don't get the first surprise strike of getting stabbed or or pulling in and having a gun pointed to your head and you know you be that person that's what I mean. You don't, definitely don't want to be that person. You have more of an opportunity to fight and defend from you having the um, the opportunity of attack or excuse me, the opportunity of uh, surprise than the person who just got pulled as a hostage. So if you go on an airplane, sit next to the window. Um, also, if you go on an airplane, do not wear any mil military insignia. Uh, or you like t-shirts that say you were in the military or that you're pro-military you know thin blue line blue lives matter nothing like that don't wear any pro-cop stuff don't wear any pro-military stuff um it's probably even best not to wear pro-god stuff because if we have um for the the instance if we have uh muslim extremists you know they don't like christians so if you're wearing pro-god stuff then they might pull you as well if they see it. Um, additionally, uh, I know that there are a number of hitmen out there and, and a number of individuals out there who they like to call on Christians and they say, all right, well, here, I'll give you, I'll make you a deal. If God will come down and stop me from shooting you in 10 seconds, I'll let you live. 10, nine, like there was a hitman that actually talked on TV about this and he said he did this to somebody. He's like, if God comes down and stops me from shooting you, I'll let you live. You got five seconds. And he shot the person. So, I mean, I'm not saying be ashamed of God. I'm not saying don't be don't be afraid to die for God, but don't tempt God either. You know, don't sit there and say, I'm going to do it anyway. If anyone's going to do it, no. God doesn't want you to fast track your own death. 
he doesn't want you to be ashamed of him or afraid to die for him but he doesn't also want you to poke the hornet's nest just to prove a point you know if you're put in a situation where you have to stand up for god or, or choose death you know stand up for god so um just don't don't wear anything that draws attention to you on your tactical martial arts defensive or uh, police abilities you don't want to draw uh, wear anything that draws attention to you in that way those are very important when when traveling you don't want to draw the unnecessary attention to yourself that you could be a threat to them that's not what you want to do you want to wear stuff that makes you look as soft and as you know feeble as possible you know just like a nice t-shirt if you're a very strong person <laughs> i suggest wear some fashion glasses and dress up like a um like a nerd you know wear like a carlton sweater and a polo shirt and just be like oh my gosh what's going on golly gee willikers and then they come up close and you just happen to be former delta forces you know you take the weapon from them and then you subdue him and or the, the terrorists and take him down um and if it is a woman for some reason if there's a woman terrorist on board and she's you know trying to take over the plane and stuff like that guys it's important to treat this woman as an equal treat her as a man and address her as such <laughs> i don't think any feminist is gonna go oh my gosh i can't believe you punched her like no nah, dude she was trying to hijack a plane she was gonna crash us into the ground i have to stand i have to answer to my wife for this i'm not letting another woman keep me from her i'm sorry you know it's about equality um okay so now next thing is if you're in a restaurant this is a very very vulnerable place it's, unless the restaurant is very high like in, in Los Angeles down or downtown Los Angeles, I can't speak. In downtown Los Angeles, there's this place called 71 Above, which is in the United States Bank uh, building, and it's the 71st floor. And the food there is exceptional. Um, they have security that control the elevators and stuff like that. So when you actually go into the building, first you have to have reservations to go in. Once you get in there, um, you know, the security will escort you to the elevator and then the security will control the elevator. They will tell you you're going to go up to this floor, but then you're going to transfer from this elevator to this elevator. And then they're going to put you back, uh, send you back up to the rest of the floors to the 71st floor. So you don't get to get off on any other floor and walk around. You're strictly staying in either like the lobby or 71 above. They control all movement. So um, you don't really have to worry about somebody coming up there with guns because they wouldn't let them up there. They don't know the codes, the access codes, and they don't know how to get up there. So it's a, it's, it's a lot for them to get up in a place like that. So you don't really have to worry about that kind of threat. Um, it's too much. People who want to go out and do mass shootings need easy access. They need easy, unbridled access. So it's more likely to happen in like a fast food joint or you know a place that has lots of windows where they can see in they, and all that stuff like that. So if you're in a restaurant, um, the more alert of you is because not everybody can sit with their their face toward the door just because you know if you're going with a group not everyone's going to sit on the same side of the table it just doesn't work that way um but the most alert of you needs to sit with their back toward a wall and face toward the doors you need to be able to see all the exits now in california one of the code of restaurants is that every kitchen has a back door so if somebody were to come in and start shooting, one of the things that happens is, you know, a lot of people try to go through the windows or go out through the door. They start trying to run and they start cowering under tables. Um, rather than cower under a table and wait for the killer to come get you, run to the kitchen. 
Why do I say that? Because one, there's weapons back there. There's knives, that, uh, how they made your food, they use knives. There's pans that can offer you some temporary armor. And there's also a back door that leads into a, a most likely alley of some type. And you can run to that place and actually escape through the alley, keeping your life. So don't get so relaxed in your environment because I, ideally you shouldn't have to worry about something like this. Ideally, you should be able to go out and enjoy yourself and have a great time. That's the ideal, but that's not the world in which we're living now. People are desperate and people are selfish. People are heartless. There are grown men out there robbing 11 year old kids. I just saw something on the news recently. Um, uh, of this guy that are these these three teens that went up and kicked a, a, a six-year-old girl in her stomach and took her scooter three teenage boys like in late teens not like 13 12 like i'm talking about these guys are like 16 17 you know they're they're like older teens they walked up to a six-year-old little girl who was riding her scooter and kicked her and then took her scooter yeah that's the kind of world in which we're living right now. So if you're in a restaurant, pay attention to people. Pay att it's not about being nosy. It's not about assuming they have something. And don't think just because a person looks a certain way, like their color, their skin, or the way they dress, they have something on them. Don't think that because likely the people that don't look like it are the ones that actually do have something. That's just kind of how it works. Don't assume that somebody has um, a gun on them until you know they have a gun on them pay attention to those exits make sure that you know where the kitchen is and make sure you know how to get there most importantly always have some type of exit plan don't walk somewhere without an exit plan know where you're gonna go my mom when we were growing up and i'm glad she taught me this when we were growing up she always told me like we were always before we went our separate ways and we started really walking deep into the park she would always tell us as little kids you see where we are right now? Do you see this big, like, and it will be some very big landmark. Do you see this big castle right here? Or do you see this big orange roller coaster right here? And we say, yes. She goes, if you get split up from me, if you go, if you go missing, like, if you don't see me anymore, you don't know where I'm at, you come right back here and I'll find you, okay? And don't talk to anybody unless they look like security. Don't talk to any strangers. Don't trust anybody. Like, she taught me this stuff as a kid. And I knew that if I got lost, I had a plan. I knew what I needed to do. I knew I knew where I needed to go. I was smart enough to navigate myself back to the big thing that she showed me, the big roller coaster, the big building, or the thing that's standing there. It's so important for people to have that exit plan, not just for yourself, but also for your uh, for your own kids. Because if you don't plan, you plan to fail. That's just how life goes. That's how the world is. It's important to plan for the unthinkable just in case it happens hey todd welcome to the show brother hey thanks man appreciate it my pleasure um yeah so um i'm curious uh what do you suggest on uh for like young teenage boys the activities that they should do things that they should do as far as like i've got i've got teen teenage kids and um and i have them involved in a few things for for protection for their awareness and that kind of stuff um how do you feel about uh what if like martial arts they should be doing or or you know, if there is a better one or a different one or uh 
um, firearms or knives or what? Oh, that is a beautiful question. I'm, thank you so much for asking that. Um, so I've studied martial arts since I was five years old. Um, to introduce kids to martial arts, Taekwondo is one of the best to teach them about the, the fundamentals of martial arts. But Taekwondo has a lot of weaknesses. So as far as self-defense, it's not a very good style of, of uh, self-defense if you're fighting somebody that knows how to fight because they rely 100% on their feet rather than a full body experience. If you're teaching someone martial arts, the best styles of martial arts would be Krav Maga, which is the Israeli Special Forces style of martial arts, and Muay Thai, or mixed martial arts. And the communities of these groups are actually very respectful. They teach discipline, they teach accountability, so there's a lot that is implied as well as the effectiveness of these martial arts styles. Additionally, um, it's important to take your kid to the range because the most most people who are abusing firearms are ignorant as to their use. So if you take your child to the uh, to the shooting range and you teach them proper firing techniques, teach them proper weapons discipline, there's always veterans down there. So there's there's always people that are willing to teach the proper uses of a firearm rather than, you know, just assume. So my suggestion is to go ahead and just, uh, uh, you know, teach them the proper uses of a firearm and they're less likely to abuse it. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I actually started my youngest boy or my oldest boy when he was, uh, gosh, I think I started taking him to the range. Um, he had first rifle when he was, I think he was three <laughs> for Christmas. And, uh, and so, and we use, we have them around and use them and stuff. So the first thing that I did with him was teach him gun safety and take him to the range. And I actually uh, rigged him up a Daisy air rifle. Nice. Uh, just a Daisy. And, um, and then we, he would go to the range with me and get to follow and mock what I did and how I handled my rifle and where I kept it aimed and how I handle it. And then we treated it like it was a full blown firearm. So he, he was out at the range and I tell you what, there wasn't a, there wasn't a guy that, you know, a mother or father or old man that wasn't at the range that just wouldn't grinning from ear to ear watching him carry around that daisy rifle and treating it properly and trying to figure all that stuff out. But I think that's something that um, if you're going to have firearms in the house, you've got to have your kids, um, you know, knowing the safety of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I really, I have not, I've taken a couple of classes of Krav Maga. Um, uh, I've I, I liked it a lot. It's actually really good real world self-defense and, and, and uh, on what to do. Um, I haven't done, I've done a little bit of Muay Thai, but uh, I do a, uh, and some MMA, but I probably do jujitsu the most. Um, I've been doing that for about eight years and I take my boys and I, we started out doing that. And I, I think the reason why I chose jujitsu over, over any of the others being that, you know, uh, uh, Taekwondo, I really like it. It's such a good offensive, more based, uh, martial art, but the, uh, but the problem you could have sparring with pads and, and doing that, but it was all around a point system and, Jiu-jitsu, there was just no substitute for somebody grabbing a hold of you and somebody getting their meat hooks on you and, and that adrenaline dump and that situational awareness that came about from being in actual live roles, you know, 
on a regular basis um, really helped prepare them. Um, so they're really calm whenever they're they're in a situation. Absolutely, they're not afraid to be touched. Yeah, and in uh, with Muay Thai, Krav Maga, like they teach you how to take a punch because you you learn how. And yeah. uh, when your time runs out, feel free to uh, call right back. Um, okay. They uh, like Taekwondo. They it, the the word Taekwondo means the way of the hand and foot. But one of the big problems that they have is that whenever you watch any Taekwondo tournament, and I've I've been parts. I'm a, I, I've I've won every sparring tournament I've been in um, when I was growing up in Taekwondo. But if you watch any Taekwondo tournament, 99% of the time they're using legs, they're kicking. They rarely ever throw a punch. Like every 60 kicks, they'll throw one punch. And it's like mm. a crappy form that they use. Like they, this is the norm for Taekwondo. It's kick, 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 and then a real quick punch with no power behind it just to get a point. But with jujitsu, you're actually full force using technique, regardless of somebody's weight or size, because you're not always going to fight somebody your size. You're going to fight somebody less or you're like smaller than you and sometimes bigger than you. So yeah. jujitsu teaches you great submissions, ground fighting, but jujitsu doesn't have a lot of, you know, of, of standing power. There's not a lot of standing technique and uh, and jujitsu. It's a lot of right. grappling submission on the on the ground. So learning a jiu-jitsu for you know because most fights end on the ground or start or like at some point fall on the ground learning jiu-jitsu is very critical for a well-rounded fighter but as far as striking um muay thai and krav maga are probably the best um the inception of krav maga started in world war ii when uh the gestapo of the nazis were actually hunting down uh, the jews and the jews right. just, you know created a style of uh, defense from when they were in the military in world war one they created a style of uh, self-defense to that wasn't supposed to be pretty it was supposed to get the job done and that's right. where Krav Maga was born and developed from there so it's uh, like I noticed that too that um, on the Krav Maga like you know crotch kicks and eye bow just you know everything's a go you know and it's taught all of that I that I agree with you on the the down downside of of the jujitsu, which you know, and I that is my my game. I love jujitsu, but the the downside to it is that everybody has a game plan until you're punched in the face. Yep. And when you're punched in the face, everything changes. And so, I actually trained with a guy that does uh, that is is actually a pretty high level boxer and 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 has had several fights in UFC and stuff. So he's really fun to be able to do it with because. We, you know, we, we there gets to be, you know, we can get in there and get, you know, go 60, 70 percent on, you know, throwing hands and doing all that. And uh, and and that's, you know, another part of that real world. The thing that I really liked about jujitsu, though, on my girls is that in the real world situation, it, it almost gives them a false sense of security if they think they can punch a kick, you know, a guy that's 200 pounds. And yeah. And make a difference on them. And and the situation that may end up. In, in a bad place is going to be on the ground or on their back and that is that is jujitsu like that is you know fighting from the bottom and fighting you know and, and thanking yourself giving yourself an advantage from from that position absolutely i um for a while i actually used to teach um when i, I was teaching martial arts for a while as well and one of the things i used to teach was women's self-defense and yeah. uh when i was teaching my students um i told them Ladies, we're, I'm gonna have to actually put you in some very compromising positions. You need to yeah. know what it feels like to be in these positions. Please understand, I'm being very professional about this, but the only way you'll know how to get out of these positions is by being put in them. 
So I started yeah. talking about the psychology behind, um, you know, people who have the intention of sexually assaulting with force these women. Um, I had to talk about the psychology of what turns them on, what gets them going, and how to combat that. Which, um, when you and I finish, I'll, I'll get into that a little more as well, because a lot of these, um, a lot of these, uh, these women's self-defense classes have a woman just come over and beat some guy who's dressed up in pads. But in real life, you're not going to fight a guy who's just going to stand there and let you hit him or kick him, you know, right. in that situation. So that just to your point about your daughters, they're able to learn technique to out technique their their aggressor rather than thinking that, oh, I can stand up and punch this guy that's three times my size. Right. And it's also I think it's important to understand to know how to get comfortable in the uncomfortable yeah um you know it's one thing to you know cognitively have an idea of what to do but man it's a whole different banana when you're in that situation yep. and that whole adrenaline dump and just the the, the freaking out I, that's where the good sparring you know you can read a book about it and that's i think the false sense of security some people get is by being able to look at a little bit of it but not know when you get in that situation the adrenaline goes and it's i mean you see it in the pro fights that yeah a guy that's well trained and it just goes poof and he's gone and he just gives it all up and uh you can have it in your head but if you can't actually execute it it's, it's really a tough thing to deal with yeah and that's one of the things also uh, uh the risks about getting you know getting a book some people watch you know youtube and learn martial arts from youtube or watch martial arts from uh from a book and read these things and think oh yeah i've read the book so i know how to do it and one of the problems about that is that if you're uh, if you're not learning if you don't have the train the or excuse me the trained eye to observe something a, d a small detail that's important then you're not going to know whether you're wrong or right about something because you don't know what it's supposed to look like it's like uh. if like for me being uh for me doing martial arts as long as i have I can teach somebody and I can like when a punch doesn't look right, I can look for why it doesn't look right. I can identify the specific. Oh, they're not putting their weight in the right spot. They're not in the right stance. Their feet are too close together. They're off balance or they're fully extending their arm when they should have a slight bend just to make sure they don't throw their arm out. They're not, you know, twisting at their waist. Like I can have little details identified almost immediately and pinpoint the error so I can help them correct it. But if you, that person that's reading the book or re watching the video or something like that, if they don't know and they don't have that specific training, they're not going to know, you know, what they're doing wrong. So they're going to end up throwing a, a throwing an er uh, erroneous punch or throwing a bad yeah. punch. Yeah, I think that's something that, you know, people don't talk about enough is that the consistency in training. I know the difference between whenever I, the way I feel and how I roll whenever I've been off for two months and I've been doing this for years and two months puts a big lag in my in my game. Yeah. And, and and it's a, a lack of, of preparation. And and I think that that's a lot of times people don't realize how much preparation it takes. And, you know, even to comprehend what a cop goes through, police officer goes through when they're, you know, working and doing well, working, they're not training. And, and we should be honestly, we should be training, paying for the training on our police officers to be able to be competent. And like it should be required, really. Yeah. Um, and and but the problem with uh, with most is they don't. They get an idea, they get this false idea of this is what I'm gonna do in that situation. But there's so many precursors to that situation, like just in having situational awareness. You know, like you were saying on sitting on the plane and doing all this and like placing yourself and being observant of what's going on around you. There's a 
I, I did a, a I took a, a weapons retention class um, given by a guy from a SWAT deal here, and and uh, man, it was a great class because it showed a lot of the uh, guys getting ready to wind up and throw a punch at you in a, in a confrontational situation. How they will look away and then look back at you, and look away and look back at you, and and it's you know a lot of them do it. I didn't even realize it, but a lot of them do it. You know, that's their setup to see where you're going to be at, where you're going to be at, and where they're going to throw their punch. And um, but all of those, all of those, not going to be. You're not going to see it unless you practice. Absolutely. And it takes it takes being taught by somebody who absolutely has the eyes for, it, who has the knowledge. Like, yeah. A, a clear example is like, um, you don't see friendly fire accidents as common in the military as you do in society. And one of the reasons why is because most of the people who commit friendly fire accidents um, are people who were taught by people who didn't know what they're doing. Like, for example, when I was talking, uh, alluding to you, you taking your son to the range or taking your kids to the range, you're teaching them proper techniques, which means like if they got a buddy who is misusing a firearm, their instinct to secure that firearm and uh, clear it and, you know, put it out of the way so they can't be used that training is going to come into them and they can save lives because yeah. they understand I mean, the proper use of a firearm. It's not a toy. Yeah, just being aware of being flagged, you know, just being aware that somebody's like, you know, pointing a gun in your direction and stopping it, you know, that or, you know, having the wherewithal to know that you need to stop it. Yeah. Um, is, is, it's really important. Um, but all of that comes, so I, that, that brings me to a question. Um, how often should you be training um, if you want to be at least competent, maybe not necessarily like you're going to be in, in, in a, a police officer or you're going to be somebody who who's doing it for a living. But if you're going to be competent in what you're doing, how often do you think a week you should be training? Um, for, a see, for, for a month. For like when you first start out, it's important to devote the most time you can. So I would say like every every weekend or if not every other weekend, you go to the range for a couple hours and you practice shooting until you're on target, you have good trigger discipline, you have good front sight picture. Um, and for those of you who don't know what that means is trigger discipline means you're not pulling the trigger, you're squeezing, you're applying pressure until your weapon fires. Uh, front sight picture means you're lining your uh, your target with the little front sight tip on the on your pistol or your rifle. You're, you're knowing how to aim the right way, that's what that means. So going to the range as often as you can when you first start out until you have what it takes and then it's maintenance after that it's maintenance it's like you know once or twice a month would keep you in a proper maintenance phase because all it is now you've already with the first month the first month or two because shooting when you have the right time if you give enough time to it anybody can be an expert shot it's really the fundamental and you have people at the range always wanting to teach you to shoot they know what they're doing and uh they're always willing to teach you how to shoot. So, you know, all you got to do is ask. They're there. People love to shoot. Gun enthusiasts are there. You don't have people inside, you know, the gun range that are anti-gun. <laughs> they just don't go there because the people are armed. And it's just not their scene. But it's right. important. You get up there until you have the right disciplines, the right habits to actually fire on target. And then after that, you know, go once a month, go every other month and use proper trigger discipline. That way you continue so, to maintain uh, muscle memory. So if you don't, if you don't have access to, um, like I do, I got, 
I have I'm out on land, so I can shoot in my backyard if I want. But if for for the person who can't, um, what how do you feel about like eye target and some of those other deals that um, where you use the laser and and you can have a target in the house, you can actually draw and shoot in your house. But you're not not live with the, not live ammo, but it's like a laser. But I don't know if you know what that is. That eye target deal. Yeah, I've I've seen those. I've actually um, used some of those when I. Uh... I did some training with the police academy when I was in high school. We had this, uh, this what's called, it's like ROTC, but it's called the Criminal Justice Magnet Academy, kind of like the oh. Explore program where kids, you know, want to become cops. And yeah. I unfortunately didn't become an officer, but that was my dream back when I was a kid. Um, yeah. But we had this big screen, there are different scenarios, and we would practice shooting as well and everything like that. It's cool, it's good, but it doesn't give the same feel as an actual firearm does. You know, because there's no kick on a lot of those laser weapons that you don't, you, you, people can't anticipate or get used to the kick because there is no kick. It's just, you're squeezing the trigger and it just kind of clicks and it's very mechanical. You also want to be able to um, practice a, a quick change. Like if you're, you're firing and you run out of ammo, you need to practice being able to unload your weapon and load it back. Um, practice function checking your weapon, which for those of you who don't know what that means, it means if you're firing your weapon and your weapon jams, it's not firing, you you need to know what to do to correct that. You know, and with the, uh, with laser pistols, you don't have that problem. You know, and airsoft right. pistols, you also don't have the same problem as you would with a, an actual pistol. Um, so you need to know how to rack the chamber back. You need to know how to clean your weapon because with a laser, you can't, you don't clean that. You know, there's no need to. And there's also no need to clean uh, uh, an airsoft pistol like you would with an actual carbine um, uh, real bullet shooting pistol. Um, knowing how to clean your weapon, knowing how to take care of your weapon, those are very strong details that you can only get by actually, you know, doing it. So yeah. if you have access to a place where you can shoot, and I think there's shooting ranges all over, but if for some reason you don't have access to that, it's definitely worth taking a trip because your life may depend on your knowledge and ability to use a weapon effectively. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the those the eye target and those kind of deals, the only thing that that's really maybe good for is um, is actually learning how to clear your weapon from your holster and, and actually draw. Like you say, you can actually practice it on a daily basis, you know, or at least, you know, quite often. But I guess yeah. you don't have to have the eye target to do that. It's just a good target acquisition whenever you do draw that you can get it. Um, Absolutely. So it was funny, you know, I, I uh, there was a... Uh, I read a uh, read once that uh, Wild Bill Hickok, which I like the old Cowboys, but uh, Wild Bill Hickok, you know, being such a marksman and and then you know showman too, um, he would. Uh, they asked how often he practiced the target shot, and he said he shot six rounds every day, but he never went around without an unloaded gun. So he carried two. Um, he carried two revolvers. Hmm. Um, one, one, uh, one behind her, the both of them like cross drawed behind and he would, uh, shoot that one revolver. He would draw and shoot that one revolver every afternoon after he got done and he kept, and then he would reload that one, but he never, never shot both of his pistols because he was never going to be without a loaded pistol. Yeah. So he, but that's, that's what he shot every day was six rounds, you know, out of the pistol. And that's all at that point, that's all he did. And he, and he was probably one of the fastest draws there was. It, you know, it's it's really interesting that when uh, when you practice using a firearm, the more you practice, the more 
you see that guns don't kill people. It's the misuse of firearms that kills people. It's the person that does it. So you don't have fear of a firearm. You see it as a tool, just like a, a, a meat cleaver, just like a cutting yeah. knife, a steak knife. Those are weapons too, if you use them that way. But a, a firearm is not meant to murder people. It's meant to defend you and stop a threat if necessary. Well, more people, yeah, more people die from knives than, than guns every year. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you I mean, so much, Todd. I really, yeah. I definitely appreciate you coming on, man. You had some great things to Thanks. say. And uh, like, so yeah, for, for anyone out there, it's definitely important to know how to use a firearm. Even if you're anti-gun, keep in mind that the people that are telling you that we need to get rid of guns and take guns away, keep in mind that those people are protected by armed guards. And the police department have guns because they don't, you know, they know that bad guys are gonna have guns regardless. So it's not about being pro-violence, it's about being pro-you. You have the right to defend yourself and your family. And the proper use of a firearm, the proper knowledge of how to use a firearm is very important to surviving in a world where guns are very inexpensive and very easy to get and bad guys are gonna get guns regardless. I've said in a previous broadcast that murder has been illegal since day one. It's always been illegal, yet it happens every day. It happens every day. And in some states it happens crazy amounts of times every day. So, they don't care. And it has like the most harsh sentence applied. You can, For premeditated murder, you get the death penalty. Well, depending on the state. If you're in California, you got to go like murder, you know, a, an orphanage of babies and, and burn a, a animal shelter and burn all the puppies. So you got to do something horrific. But even the animal, animal rights activists and pro-life activists are going to go, nope, you're, you're worthless. <laughs> because in California, they don't really send people to death row unless you've done something seriously heinous. You know, Jeff or um, not Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, Charles Manson was released from death row, you know, because people are like, "Oh, he didn't kill anyone, bro. He was responsible for a lot of people dying." Come on now, but yeah, that's just California for you. But just keep in mind, like, it's so important to know how to use a firearm because you might have to use one one day. And if you don't know how to use it, and you wait until you you have to use it it's not going to work for you because when your gun jams and you don't know how to clear it, you don't know how to function check it or actually correct the action of it not firing reliably. When that happens, you know, or if you don't know the difference between having the safety engaged and not having the safety engaged, if you don't know those little differences, you're going to be like some of those movies where the guy squeezes the trigger and tries to shoot the threat and the gun just goes click. But the actual gun doesn't go click when you have the safety on the trigger doesn't move that's just emphasis that they put on the little click sound effect that you hear in the movies that's just to make it sound like the safety's on that something was supposed to happen nothing happened because you're not going to hear them squeezing the trigger and nothing happens so it's just emphasis but in real life if the safety's engaged the trigger doesn't move if the trigger moves the safety's not working so that's just kind of how it works well um you know uh, moving forward it's, it's just so important that um education and i'm not just talking about like school education i'm talking about education and keeping your head on a swivel knowing how to identify threats what i mean by keeping your head on a swivel it means always being aware of your surroundings if you're going to a high tourist area realistically and i know this is probably something that a lot of people don't want to hear but high tourist areas are the most likely spots for a terrorist attack whether it be someone from ISIS or whether it be, you know, some homegrown person that just wants to cause damage and become famous on being the next bomber. 
those are the most likely places to have because there's a lot of people there and when they do acts of terrorism domestic or foreign they want to hit the most people possible so if you see a package sitting out by himself by itself um stay away from that area pay attention to unattended bags pay attention to bulky items like bags that just kind of look suspicious if the street is clean and all of a sudden you see this little heap of garbage um maybe you might want to stay away from that little heap of garbage because when i was in iraq we had lots of little heaps of garbage um and there were bombs underneath a lot of those and uh one of the things that when we first got to iraq we had a we had an in-country brief and the commanding general of the base you know he goes welcome marines welcome to uh altacottam iraq rule number one don't freaking touch anything and they started showing pictures of people who didn't listen and there was this picture of president bush because he was president at the time when i was in uh president george bush jr there's a picture of him and like some really messed up stuff that they were saying about him and just it was a really messed up poster with george bush on it so this soldier decided that he wanted to grab the poster and he wanted to pull it off the uh he pulled he was going to pull it off the wall but as he pulled it off the wall he noticed that there was something right behind it and luckily it didn't go off there was a, a there was like some duct tape on the very back with like a wire hooked up to the back of the poster and the wire went into this this hole this like baseball size hole with explosives all inside the wall that were supposed to kill whoever pulled that off but for some reason it just it wasn't done right so it didn't go off luckily so when you see things that look suspicious it's better to report them than to go investigate it yourself if you go next to your car and there's a box next to your car and you you know <laughs> you're not getting mail into your car like the mailman's not gonna go oh this is his car i'm just gonna leave the package here if you see a box next to your car um it's best to stay away from it you don't know what that box is you know if you call the bomb shelter or not the bomb shelter if you call the bomb squad or call the police department and say there's a suspicious package next to your uh, your car they can send the bomb squad and that's what they're there to do let them bring that package up and and see if it's going to blow up and all that stuff like that because they'd rather you know go through that because the bomb squad doesn't get that much opportunity to do use that little robot it's like you know that movie short circuit those guys want to use those robots as much as possible so they're like oh, we have an opportunity and they just move it and it's just some trash but okay but it's better for you to be safe than to be sorry you know don't assume things and and put yourself in harm's way also don't try to be the hero if you don't have the advantage if a person like if you know if you have the training to be able to take away a firearm from somebody and you know you can grab that firearm realistically they're within arm's reach you can grab it from them okay you know do what you gotta do but sometimes even if you're able to grab the firearm it's best just to go ahead and give your wallet to the person because why risk the life of somebody that's with you just because you might be able to get that weapon and if you're out of arm's reach, don't reach for the weapon because they have the advantage on you. So rather than put yourself in that predicament, just pay attention to people around you. Pay attention to the people who are not, you know, who are like in a, in a tourist area, the people who are not looking at the stuff, but that are watching you. The people who are what, like sitting down and looking at everybody else. Those guys are the things are the people you need to watch out for. If you go into a mall or if you're into if you're in a public area where a lot of people are and someone starts shooting guns don't take off running why do i say that 
don't just take off and start running the opposite way of the gunfire because for one you don't know what's going on you heard gunfire coming from the right side and you run to the left uh, you don't know if they're trying to funnel you to an ambush that's the point sometimes when you hear gunshots sometimes it's important if you can I'm not, if you're in a concert and someone starts shooting don't take a knee right there you're going to get trampled on but i'm saying like if you're if you're if you can if you have the opportunity to take a knee take a knee that's what we do in combat for a reason we take a knee and assess the situation we start getting shot at we take cover and then we pay attention to where the fire is coming from and we try to return fire we try to engage the target now obviously you're probably going to be in the mall not armed but the fact is is that it's important for everybody to try to assess the situation force yourself to get in control of your nerves oh my gosh i'm in the mall i have my baby there's gunfire calm down force yourself to calm down and stop if the gunshots are like 20 feet away from you get the heck out of there leave but if they're like if there's some distance you can identify oh crap those are gunshots take a second assess where you are in, in relation to where those gunfire uh, the, the gunshots are coming from assess the situation force yourself to think calmly because you don't know the situation look is everybody getting through the doors okay am i close to the doors okay am i close am i closer to a place that has a back door because you know when you walk in through the entrance of the malls you know those guys don't have back doors those doors are their closest doors are right there but when you walk to the middle of the mall or to you know another side of the mall there tends to be like a backdoor alley that they can go to like a service area like in like foot lockers and stuff like that where they have little storage sh uh, storage sheds um or their storage areas uh where they go get, get all the shoes and stuff they have little like back doors that they receive mail and stuff like that and if for some reason you're close to that you can go to the storage area and you know and lots of times get into the little um the service uh, hall that they have so you can escape but the thing is that if you just uh, if you just react you put yourself in more harm than taking a second to think about the situation and respond sometimes you don't have a second sometimes you have to react and leave but if you're not training yourself to respond in certain situations then you're going to react and sometimes reactions get you killed so i really encourage everybody who's listening uh today and uh, who will be listening later on i really encourage everyone to try to look for these classes take these survival classes but make sure you look at this the the um the not the criteria but the achievements and um the background of these people that's what i'm looking for the background of these individuals who are leading these courses the reason why i say that is because if you go out and somebody's like oh yeah you can be taught survival techniques by navy seal so and so so and so you can actually find out i forget the website but you can actually find out if somebody really was a seal or not and I believe that this um, the website is actually only available to those who are SEALs. But you can actually figure out if somebody really was in SEALs or not. You just ask them to see their DD-214. And it will identify that they were, you know, they were never uh, NAV Special Warfare, Navy Special Warfare, 
yeah. Um, so it's, it's just important. Just make sure that you're looking at the background of these people and that they know what they're doing because some people just want to get the money and pretend that they were special forces. I can tell you that most people who commit stolen valor, uh, stolen, stolen valor crimes of pretending that they were in the military and they were not, more often than not, <laughs> I've never once heard a person pretend to be in the military who just said, oh yeah, I was a cook. Or I just drove trucks. That's it. I just I was motor, motor transport. They never say that. Every time someone steals valor, they're always special forces, and they merge the special forces. They're not just special forces airborne. You know, they're like, oh, I was a special forces airborne seal. Like, really? You in the army and navy at the exact same time? Special forces? Wow, man, you were elite. Yeah. What rank were you? I was a uh, lieutenant in command. Oh, really? You were lieutenant in command? What pay grade is that? I was an E9. And by the way, that is a true story that happened to me. This guy said he was Naval Special Warfare. He was an E9 and his rank was Lieutenant in Command. I laughed my butt off and I was like, dude, you were never in the military, man. E9 is Master Chief in the Navy. <laughs> it's not Lieutenant in Command. He's like, why would you put me on blast? Why are you embarrassing your brothers? We're brothers. I was like, you're not my brother, bro. I was mad. I, was, I cussed him out without using curse words, but I, I cussed him out. I just used colorful, insulting, you know, synonyms. It was like a thesaurus at the time. <laughs> I can't stand when people pretend to be military when they weren't because it's it's not easy to get that uniform. It takes a lot of sacrifice to get that uniform and maintain it. But yeah, it's just funny to me that people always want to pull that. So just be careful when you go up to these these little courses about survival and gun survival and techniques and stuff like that you'll know a person if you really do your research just do your research for your for your sources and and you'll get better quality uh instructors <clears throat> everyone listening should definitely go to a shooting range and learn how to use a firearm uh be instructed by um by people who know what they're doing you'll be able to see that they know what they're doing they'll teach you um there's nothing worse than a gun being held by an, an ignorant person so don't be ignorant you can't protect your family if you don't know how to use that tool and if you're anti-gun like you have that right you, you absolutely uh, do have that right to be anti-gun you don't want to carry a firearm that's fine you have that right but just keep in mind that whoever breaks into your house at two or three in the morning doesn't care if you're anti-gun or pro-gun they want to hurt you they want to hurt your family they want to take everything you have so it's important to understand that because if you're not being attentive to that concept that, you know, bad guys are going to get guns regardless of the laws, you're just putting yourself uh, at risk. <clears throat> hey, Jason, welcome to the show, brother. Good to hear from you again. What's going on? I was just listening to you for a little bit. And um, yeah, one thing as a gun owner, you got to train. You can't just expect to have a gun and draw on it when a life situation comes up. Absolutely. You don't you don't know when, you don't know where, but if you can't learn to uh, defend yourself with fists before a gun, that's a big problem. You need, you, you I, I'm, I've been in jiu-jitsu for three years, and let me tell you, um, you don't know when you need to use your skill, and warriors always have to remember you continue to train even when you're not trying to go to battle because um you don't always have muscle memory you don't always have the best sense of judgment 
when things come up. I, I think that's a very, very important tip, I guess, I could add to your content. I agree 100%. And, uh, like, if you don't train, your muscles get weak, they get lazy, they forget what they're doing. But the, the more you train, your body just knows what to do because you're conditioning your body to respond a certain way. It's, it's like with elementary school. You know, they do the fire drills over and over and over and over. So when an actual fire drill happens and everybody knows what to do without thinking like, hey, that's a fire alarm. Everyone grab your stuff. Let's go. We're going outside, you know, and they know where to line up. And then the fire department comes in there and does their thing because they practiced all this stuff. And you and you got to rehearse and train and cultivate your instincts, you know, reading the public, you know, um, when you're sitting down at a restaurant, like I don't like having my back against the doorway i always like me and my girl will say this you always sit facing the door and i go i do it for a couple of reasons and she goes why and i'm like one if something were to go down i need to know where the exits are and who's coming in so if i need to pull you and our in our kids into safety that's a protective thing you need to cultivate those instincts it's not that I'm paranoid. Oh, I enjoy myself at my table, but you know, reading your, you know, your surroundings, you know, maybe not like walking in a, a dark area. You know, if you're, if you feel like I got a choice, a lit longer area versus a dark area, walk in the dawn. It's just, it's not going to kill you. <clears throat> Absolutely. But walking in the, walking in the dark could. Yeah. So, and then also train your confidence. You know, the, I guess I, I, I would have to say criminals look for the absent-minded and the weak-minded. Yes. They look for the naive. And they can spot you a mile away. Yep. So, um, you know, when you walk a certain way, you hold your shoulders and your posture a certain way, it, it projects that, like, look, I'm not looking for trouble but I'm not here. I'm going to take it either. So it's a person by person experience, in my opinion. I agree. I think like uh, to that point as well, like um, being absent minded definitely puts a person in the, in the opportunity or the position to be a likely victim. Like anytime I pull my wallet out of my, uh, my pocket, I keep it like right against my chest. I put it right against my chest and I only take out what I'm going to but I have one hand that's holding it right toward my chest because the closer it is to you, the more the more advantage and um, leverage you have over that item. So a person can't take it. It's like if I have my hand fully extended and somebody's trying to take something from me, they have more of a chance to take it from me than if that thing is right next to my chest right. because I have my entire body and leverage over that item. So if you have a cell phone, best thing you do is anytime you're, you're texting you keep your cell phone right next to you and don't talk with moving hands with your hand and your cell phone in your hand because that gives an opportunity for somebody else just to walk behind you and take it out and run off with it that's also the reason why i don't get big cell phones like the iphone max i don't get that yeah smaller is better you know and don't look like you can don't think you can take on a fight anywhere that would be my last tip you don't know what someone has don't look for the fight you know if it comes to you it does but don't be looking for it yeah that's all i gotta say thank you so much jason i appreciate you brother thank you for always being willing to to add some good stuff to the show as well i appreciate that 
Absolutely. All right. Talk to you later, man. All right, brother. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great points. And um, it doesn't make you weak to walk away from a fight. That's a that's a very important point to make uh, to make. Like like Jason was saying, it doesn't make you weak to walk away from a fight. It's like a, a lion and chihuahua. The, if the chihuahua comes up there and starts biting the lion and the lion looks at the chihuahua and just walks away, it doesn't make the lion weak and it doesn't make the chihuahua brave. The chihuahua could just be stupid and the lion's like, do you have you have no idea what I could do to you and just walks away. So sometimes the stronger will walk away. Like for me, and this is this is not me boasting at all. Like I don't like to hurt people. I really hate hurting people. In tournaments, it's different. Like I have this warrior instinct that comes out and I'm not worried about hurting the person. I'm worried about winning, but I, I'm not gonna cheat to win. And if the person's injured, then yeah, I definitely stop and and try to get them, you know, the proper attention and stuff. But like every one of the fights I've had in my life have been the result of somebody trying to bully me because I'm, I try to be peaceful. I love to be peaceful. I love to be friendly. I love to be kind. But unfortunately, bullies take that as a sign of weakness. So they would try to target on me or target me and bully me. And I wouldn't put up with it. I wouldn't tolerate it. And then we end up getting in a fight. One guy, I knocked him unconscious. I gave him a roundhouse kick to the face. Um, I hit him in a pressure point and he fell to his knees and I gave him a roundhouse kick to finish him off. And he just started bleeding extensively and he was like it was there was a very very big puddle of blood and i sat him up after he was no longer a threat i sat him up and i started pouring water on him and treating him for concussion that's just that's just me now and he's no longer a threat to me and i don't want him to die and i don't want him to get have you know worse symptoms than he was already going to have so i'm trying to treat him bring him back and, and calm him down and you know that was it that was just how i was in that scenario because he that scenario allowed it if the person is trying to kill me then i'm probably likely to not um do cpr and bring him back i'm probably likely to just let him stay there and let whatever course of action take its course um but walking away from a fight sometimes is necessary sometimes letting yourself get robbed because it's better to be robbed than killed you know, in certain scenarios, that's just kind of what happens. Sometimes somebody can pull a gun on you. And even though you're carrying, they already have the gun out and it's right on you. And you don't have the opportunity or leverage because you're sitting down and the gun's right on your head. So you can't turn your body and take the gun from them. Sometimes you just don't have the leverage. And sometimes it's just better to go ahead and say, here, take what you want, bro. I'm, I've been victimized, but that's it's just monetary stuff. I'm not going to risk the safety of my child and my wife or my husband, you know, just to save a few bucks. If you want to save money, switch to Geico, where 15 minutes can save you 50% or more on car insurance. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I don't even have Geico insurance. I just love that slogan because it just rolls out the tongue. But anyway, um, what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw these two girls walking uh, up the street in my neighborhood uh, last night, actually. And they were both walking in the middle of the street rather than the sidewalks. And the sidewalks are actually pretty dark at this time of night. And they don't have lots of street lights on my on my block. But there's a really popular restaurant right around, literally right around the corner from my uh, my my house. And these girls are walking up the middle of the street. And I had addressed them. I said, "Hey, I'm a vet, and you don't see a lot of women that actually walk in the middle of the street. That's very smart. I wanted to commend you guys for that because." that's very aware that's very uh very safe to do that why because of somebody like in a sidewalk you don't have a lot of wiggle room to maneuver 
it's a very small area of movement and there's cars on usually cars on one side that actually block your immediate movement so if somebody wants to ambush you and grab you and kidnap you it's more likely to happen on a sidewalk than in the middle of the street where you have a lot of movement there's a lot of uh movement uh, availability for you so ladies if you're walking even men if you guys are walking outside make sure you're paying attention to your uh to your uh, surroundings do your best to stay away from dark areas and stay in them if you have to go through a dark area there's no other way try to identify the most well lit of areas <clears throat> additionally if you're by yourself which you shouldn't be in a dark place by yourself but life happens if you happen to be by yourself and you're going through a dark area facetime somebody you need to be on facetime with somebody and you need to be paying attention to where you are because if something happens you can immediately show that you know like show the person on facetime and you don't just facetime your drunk buddy your homegirl like facetime somebody responsible you know or you can actually go live on youtube and you know do a live recording and talk to one of your friends or whatnot and and actually record the look of a face of somebody who's going to try to hurt you like there's you got a plan just in case so you don't become you don't be victimized or become the victim um sometimes they're just scenarios you can't avoid it just happens unfortunately but the whole purpose of this episode is to try to minimize the amount of those things happening now um try to stay away from alleys if you can avoid it don't walk in alleys because you don't know what's down there and there are homeless people out there that they won't harm you for nothing they're good homeless people they're just trying to live their life and do what they're going to do and then there's homeless people who are looking for opportunities to you know get victims now let's talk about that horrendous r word um that so many women men too have experienced it but the forceful sexual assault now in certain circumstances this kind of act happens to women who are you know dating a guy and the guy feels entitled to having sex with her and you know she likes him he likes her um and he ends up you know wanting to have sex she's like no i don't want to have sex but nobody tells this guy no so he ends up you know he ends up assaulting her sexually that's one thing it's best you know pay attention to people like that don't put yourself alone with somebody that you don't really know of course like i said there's always going to be circumstances that just kind of slip through the cracks and we can't stop every single situation but the point of this episode is to try to minimize it as much as possible now if you're with somebody who's a sexually violent predator who actually gets off on forcefully uh sexually assaulting um strangers and women understand the mentality of such a person this type of person is aroused and turned on by your fear a person can, uh, that type of individual cannot sexually assault you in that way if they're not aroused they need to be aroused first and they're aroused by your fear not by your willingness so you actually have a much greater advantage to fight back not a guarantee but a much greater chance at stopping the person from hurting you and and you know taking advantage of you physically like this by pretending you like it i know this against your normal thoughts but the fact is remember this person's mentality 
is they get off on your fear. So if you're not exemplifying fear and you're acting like you enjoy it, like, oh, heck yeah, I've been waiting for this. Let's go. And I got AIDS. What's up? Keep going, baby. That's right. You know, this person's very likely to not be able to get aroused. They, they can't get erect, which means they can't perform, which means they're going to panic because it's not going the way they thought it should go. And very often is the case. They'll get up and run and leave because they're like, crap, I didn't go the way I thought it was supposed to go. I don't have the advantage here. And they get up and leave. You're alive. You have that person's DNA. You can go out and actually make a police report and hopefully they go and find that person. If you're going to take a woman's self-defense, ladies, I strongly encourage you don't. Because most of those, I mean, it's, it's, it's very rare to find an instructor that teaches real woman self-defense in an effective way. You're going to get a lot of women out there that are teaching women self-defense. And like I said, uh, like I was saying with, with my buddy Todd, like I was, there's a lot of women out there who take women self-defense and the, all they're doing is they're getting these unrealistic weapons and they're kicking and beating up a guy who's just standing there with all these pads. No person is going to stand up there and let you beat them down. You need to know what it feels like to be wrestling against a guy more your size. So where you have to use more technique. You can only find that in Krav Maga and Jiu Jitsu and Judo. Like those techniques teach you how to outskill somebody who's a different weight size than you. That's what you need. If women's self-defense is not being taught by a man who is going to put you in compromising positions and teach you how to maneuver someone bigger than you, then don't, don't, don't go. Don't take that class because they're teaching you the ideal of building your own confidence, but that's not enough to get you over a threat that big. You need to know how to defend yourself against someone bigger because more often than not, it, I, I think it's very, very rare that someone who's smaller than you is going to try to sexually assault you. More often than not, it's somebody who's going to be bigger, who sees you as an easy target. And if you're not training for that, like sometimes mace doesn't work. Sometimes pepper spray doesn't work. I've even seen people get tased and it doesn't work. They're just so high on, on fentanyl or meth that it does nothing to them. So just keep in mind some of those, Some, if you wanna learn self-defense, the best thing to do is actually go to self-defense where somebody's teaching you real world self-defense. As the guys are talking about, jujitsu teaches you a lot of technique. Technique is not dependent on strength or weight. You can out technique somebody. I had a buddy that used to, he was a wrestler and I was a wrestler in high school. And he was, he was like a hundred and freaking 15 pounds. And he was in the Marine Corps, 115 pounds. This guy was, and I was like a, like 190, almost 200 pounds at the time. And he would wrestle me and beat me like every time this dude would outskill me. And I was way stronger than him. You know, and I, but I learned from him. I, I paid attention to his techniques and I started to beat him. And he's got mad that I started beating him. But I was stronger than him, but he would out technique me. So that's the thing. You can out technique someone who's bigger than you. You just got to know how to use their weight as their weakness. You got to know how to think. Much of martial arts is mental. If you can get into your opponent's head, you won't even have to fight most of the time. A lot of those guys are big mouthpieces. Like, like for, for us guys, a lot of us guys have seen this. And I think I, I would venture to say probably Todd and Jason have had experiences like this because I know I have. 
where somebody was talking and pretending to be aggressive and everything, but we could see right through them. We knew that they were cowards, that they were just all mouthpieces and all words. So when we stood up and we were willing, they saw in our eyes that like, dude, if you want to take it there, I'm ready. And then they were like, crap. Um, you know what? I'm just going to go because I don't want to be here anymore. I'm not going to listen to this anymore. And they take off. <laughs> so it's important to defend yourself. It's important to invest in your safety. Um, get yourself a ring doorbell. If you don't have a, a, a keyhole in your, um, or not a, key, a keyhole, but like a peak hole. If you don't have a peep hole in your door, get a ring doorbell or one of those camera doorbells that you can actually see. And if somebody's knocking on your door and you can't see their face, ask them to back up so you can see who they are. And if you don't know who they are, uh, speak to them through the door. Who are you? Uh, let me see your uh, credentials. Um, don't answer the door to people you don't know. Until you, you know who they are, you see that they're literally not a threat. It's okay. Um, don't let people come into your house if you don't know who they are. Don't let people have access to um, to your dog. If you have a dog that's meant to protect you, like people get dogs and they're like, oh, I just love dogs. He's my best friend. And then you have people that have dogs because they're like, I love my dog and my dog protects my family. If you have a protective dog, do not let other people have access to your dog. Because more often than not, the burglaries and robberies that happen are from people that you know. And if they know your dog, your dog's not going to bark at them and bite them. But if your dog does not know these people, then your dog is going to bark and bite. And they're less likely to actually let that happen. So what did we learn today? Just a brief recap is educate yourself on the firearm. Even if you don't like firearms, edu educate yourself on the proper uses of firearms. There are lots of people that were anti-gun that went to a gun range and started learning about them. And now they're super pro-gun. Their perspective has changed significantly because of education. A gun is as deadly as a knife if you use it in that way. If you're using a gun or a firearm to kill somebody, it's very effective in doing that. If you use a, a knife to kill somebody, it's very effective in doing that. If you use a hammer to kill somebody, it's very effective in doing that. If you use a chainsaw, etc. You can use anything as a weapon, literally. You can use anything as a weapon. If you go to a restaurant, and um, I also would suggest this as well, just for information, like for consideration. Always order something at a restaurant that requires a knife. That way you always have a knife. Just in case you're at a restaurant, somebody comes up and somebody starts trying to do something, you have a knife. And you could do something to defend yourself if need be. Um, pay attention to those exits and entrances. Pay attention to how people are acting. Pay attention to the kind of clothing people are wearing. Um, if it's very hot and someone comes in with a trench coat, that's a very big red flag. If it's very hot and someone comes in in a big jacket, that's a big flag. If everybody's in a restaurant dressed nicely and somebody comes in with some really combat looking clothes or something like just stuff that seems out of the ordinary, pay attention to it. And it's important for you to already establish communication with your table by telling people like for me like I, I tell my um my I told my fiance and my mother you know when my mother came down to visit I told her like look if I tell you to do something you know like if I tell you to get over here on my left or get on my right or stop walking stop talking whatever if I tell you that I'm doing it for a reason don't ask me why just listen to me and do what I'm telling you to do 
it's not about being in charge it's not about you know um like bossing my mom and my fiance because i don't if anyone who knows me knows i don't try to dictate anything in my in my home like my fiance is my partner i love her i respect her but i have combat experience and she doesn't i'm trained for real world situations and she's not my mom knows a lot of this stuff but she's not as trained as i am so she lets me take point on these things so there was this guy that was acting very aggressive that was standing in front of the entrance to uh to a food for less store and when i was walking i saw this guy's stance get very aggressive my mom and my fiance were uh were talking to each other and i told them get on my left and they didn't hear me and i told them more aggressively get on my left and then they looked and they paid attention and my fiance told my mom hey hey mama um come over here and then i i walked past this guy and i i put on like the most aggressive face that i had by saying dude i wish you would i will end you that was a message i conveyed to that guy just in case there was a threat there again mental warfare he didn't touch me i didn't touch him he didn't do anything aggressive to me but the fact was i sent a message just in case and it appeared that it was received so it's about being aware it's about knowing your surroundings being aware of your surroundings never get too caught up in the atmosphere that you forget your surroundings pay attention to those unattended packages pay attention to those people that are acting invincible like nothing can hurt them chances are people who act like nothing can hurt them have guns and they're looking for a fight to kill somebody pay attention to those people that are watching you. Pay attention to those people that are following you closely. Pay attention to those people that have been following you for the last block or so, or that happen to be followed, like you keep seeing their face everywhere you go. When you walk into a mall that has multiple stories, pay attention to the upper levels because somebody might be watching you from an upper level so that they can come follow you and then rob you outside. They're casing you out. Pay attention to that stuff. It doesn't mean it's going to happen every day, but if you're aware of that stuff, it's less likely to happen. And if you see something like that being ready to happen, you can call somebody else to meet you outside with their with their car. They can come meet you at the mall and you can you can actually leave, like have a plan. Know where your exit points are. Don't sit with your back toward doors. And communicate with your with your group like, hey, somebody just walked in here with um with a trench coat and it's like 90 degrees outside if i say if i say get up we all get up and we go to the kitchen kitchen's right over there go to a restaurant you guys you guys see what that door is right there that's our exit if something happens okay you guys are good pay attention to that stuff learn self-defense real world self-defense and if you're going to go to Taekwondo, if you if you have Taekwondo something you want to learn, look, don't go to these Americanized Taekwondo uh, uh, studios that were like the International Taekwondo Association or Council, excuse me, or the American Taekwondo Association, ATA or ITC or any of these other councils. Don't go to them. If they are not sanctioned by the WTF, the World Taekwondo Federation, if they are not sanctioned by them, it's not real Taekwondo. It's watered down because a real Taekwondo will not give you a new belt unless you earn it. These other ones will give you belt just because you've been in long enough and they water down everything and you're not gonna learn real self-defense. I suggest don't take Taekwondo 
unless you're like a kid trying to learn about martial arts. But if you're learning self-defense, you want to learn real self-defense, jujitsu, Krav Maga, Muay Thai, MMA from, you know, people who know what they're doing, because it teaches you discipline. It teaches you that it's okay to lose and how to get better from loss. And that's what we need in the world because too many kids are not learning how to lose. And as a result, they're getting mad, they're getting crazy, they're getting violent because they don't know how to take a loss. So I strongly encourage and warn against taking these watered down martial arts just to just because they're more affordable. No, if you're gonna learn martial arts, learn a real martial arts that's gonna make you a weapon. The whole purpose of a weapon is to have it in case you need it rather than not have it when you do need it. Because if you look at the martial arts, like the real martial arts enthusiasts, we're some of the most humble people out there. We're not going out trying to act like we can beat everybody up and bully people. We're, we're not like that. We have a respect for the art. It's an art. It's an art form. It's an expression of who we are and what we're able to do to protect those, you know, those we love and those in our uh, in our company. So don't save money to protect yourself. You know, don't be cheap about protecting yourself. Make sure you're responsible about that stuff. Go to the shooting range, you know, as often as you can. Learn how to shoot that weapon. Learn how to get the right front sight picture. Learn how to use good trigger discipline. And teach your kids about weapon safety. Because if they happen to go to one of their friend's houses and they see a gun out in the open, they're not going to pick it up and start playing Cowboys and Indians. They're not going to go out there and do that. They're going to be like, oh, wow, this is not supposed to be out. They're going to know, oh, wow, this is not supposed to be out on the table like this. And then they'll go, you know, you because you trained your child the right way, your child understands that this is a tool. And your child, if he's trained the right way, could or she's trained the right way, could clear that firearm because they know how to do it. They can clear it and then pick it up and bring it to the, uh, to the mother or father of the house and say, mom, you left this out or ma'am, you left this out. To, and because there was a kid they're, and they're like, well, they shouldn't be doing that anyway. Yeah, absolutely. They shouldn't. But stuff happens. Sometimes it happens. There was a little five-year-old kid that saw a gun that was out and that kid picked it up and started playing with it. It was loaded and he shot his five-year-old friend. Yeah. That's what happens when, you know, these five-year-old kids don't know anything about guns. You want to protect yourself against gun violence? The best answer is to arm yourself. Look at the states that have open carry laws. The level of gun violence is significantly lower in those states than it is in anti-gun states. Don't you find that interesting? And don't you find that interesting that the news and the media are not talking about those numbers, that gun violence is highest in the states where they're anti-gun? Don't you think there's some link or nexus between the two? So if you don't want to be a victim, be aware, be prepared, pay attention to your surroundings, pay attention to the people with which uh, you associate and don't hang out with stupid people who cause problems and have big mouths. If you got friends like that, don't go out with them. Keep them in your home and that's it. Don't go out to the club with people who are big mouths and like to cause problems and start fights. Because chances are those are the people that get you shot. 
And more often than not, they don't get killed. It's you. It's the same ironic, you know, point that a person who drives drunk and hits and kills somebody else usually walks away from the accident with minor injuries, while the person they hit is completely dead. These are just little things to, uh, to keep, you know, food for thought. It's so important. Don't live in ignorance. Choose to get educated. Choose to protect yourself. Hey, Keith, welcome to the show, brother. I'm a, I'm a podcaster and I'm a musician. I've been to like New York and I have everything, you know, going to clubs. And you got to be careful because like there are people that will steal your gear. Yeah. They'll like hide all your equipment and it's like, just take it. So I had, you know, every time I went to a gig in New York, I had like a group of roadies that would have to like, you know, watch all my gear on stage like a hawk. Because sometimes like the promoters say, well, you can't take it off the stage until everybody's done. But well, you know, there are some artists that maybe aren't necessarily artists, you know, like they'll steal gear. <laughs> wow. You know, so you, you get, it used to be like in the 80s, I never thought, and I'm 54, I never had a problem with people stealing gear. But like recently, in the last couple of years, it's kind of a big problem where, you know, other artists will actually steal other people's gear. And I'm like, well, that's not very communal. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you just got to protect yourself. You're like, you, you have to be careful. Like, there are people looking to, you know, to rob you. And the same thing goes with like even your music. You got to protect the music copyrights and all yeah. kinds of stuff. There's all these people always doing nefarious things. So, physical protection and then also intellectual property protection. Absolutely. It's crazy that we have to live in a world like that, too. It's, I mean, for, for those who are like, you know, Christian based and whatnot, we see this was coming in the Bible, but it's still like it's unreal to see it actually happening in life. Like, wow, people are robbing old women, old men, like yeah. very senior citizens, 70, 80 year old individuals, and just robbing them. Well, people are so nefarious, they'll try to capture their check. You know, yeah. there, are, there are scammers that will go after their physical check. Yep. There, there are scammers that will go call them and get their bank account and steal it that way. Right? Yeah. And they, they don't really care. Because as long as they can get the person to give them the information, they don't care they're taking that person's like money for the whole month and they can't eat. Yeah. You know, they just don't have any kind of feelings. It's all about the money. It's gotten to like the, the worst aspects of capitalism are when you allow it to go unrestrained and have criminal behavior. Right. And so it's not always like violent criminal behavior, but it's just like this overall greed behavior. Yeah. No one has any kind of morality to know that you shouldn't go after disabled people. You know, people who are already in a low position, they're already kind of being victimized and you steal from them. That's why they say the love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah, it's just very discouraging to see like that's like oh that's the success rate you know they, they people blame poor people for being in your position and then and think that, that that's that's a, a right way to think that that some has somebody's poor that they're actually morally corrupt when it's actually like the, the high-end you know a robber bear 
you know, the idea of the robber baron is more corrupt than a peasant. He's the one that's keeping the people in the in, as a peasant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's so crazy um, that the the poor are robbing from the poor more than the wealthy are. It's funny. It's really yeah. interesting because it used to be, you know, the Robin Hood the uh, uh, thought process of steal from the rich and give to the poor, but we got more poor robbing each other than, well, than the wealthy are taking money. You got people in the higher class like the idea of dividing Oh, yeah. If, if you have people at the lower levels fighting themselves, they don't ever look at why did the CEO got like all the money? Like, why, why haven't Americans gotten a pay raise in like 30 years? Right. Well, because if you look at the cost of healthcare and the cost of of, of, of living, and you look at the price, the, the, the salaries, they haven't. They, they're not matching, right? But you look at what the executives pay, and it's like exponentially more than what yeah. they got paid in the fifties. So why is one person worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and the worker doing the job is not worth getting another ten thousand? But that the CEO can get a hundred million without no without question. Well, it's because the politicians that we're electing are pro profit. Yeah. Like if we look at the if we look at the books of how much they're getting paid uh, every year, and then look at how much money they're actually worth, it's like wow. Like you get paid a hundred and ten thousand uh, dollars per year. How in the world are you worth twenty six million dollars? It doesn't. The, the math doesn't add up. And that's the money that we know about because you can guarantee that they have lots of backdoor yeah. deals with other countries to say, look, we will do this and this and this for you if you give, you know, you give this much money to America and happen to donate this much money to my charity, which goes into my back pocket. And yeah. they just it, when you're when you have servants in pro money positions, the level of corruption increases exponentially as you said it's yeah just, i mean it's, it's insane it's really bad i mean i don't want to get the total politics but you look at a guy like manchin right senator manchin has direct connections to the oil and gas industry and the coal industry he makes hundreds he makes tens of millions of dollars as a senator that doesn't smell right because yeah. he's he's in a state that the coal state didn't tens of millions of dollars to coal companies when we're trying to control climate change it's going to kill people on the planet you get one guy that was blocking the bill because he gets paid yeah. you know and and it's, it's, like, it's like you got one senator that is able to block progress just because he gets cash from the people who want to maintain that power position they want to get every ounce of coal out of the ground you know they want to get every every little drop of oil and don't care if they wreck the oceans with acidity you know flood new york flood you know flood the great lakes like what are you going to do when that happens well they're going to just go off in the yacht somewhere else you know but everybody else is going to have to deal with it <laughs> yep i remember when i was in the marine corps uh like i said uh president bush jr and dick cheney were in office and dick cheney came to our our base and I was excited, you know, I was like, oh, crap, I get to meet the vice president. That's real cool. And he came around, he shook all of our hands and oh, my gosh, I've never experienced anything like that. It was like shaking hands with the devil. That's the best <laughs> yeah, way I can put it. His hands were extraordinarily <laughs> clammy 
like and his handshake was just it was evil it was like this evil feel and i didn't understand because when i was in the military i was like dude i kept hearing people say oh you guys went over there for oil i'm like dude no we didn't i was there we like when we were in the plane uh on our way to kuwait um we we had a, a civilian aircraft that was nothing but marines uh using it and some civilian flight attendants and pilots um but they said if you guys look out uh, uh, this is actually what what the person said um the pilot was over there he goes this is your captain speaking uh if you look to the left and right you will see some lights out there in the horizon and those are the oil wells that saddam hussein lit on fire when george bush senior sent his troops out it was his way to make sure that the american forces will not get the oil the oil that's what he said i was like oh wow that's cool and all these little oil pits are still on fire fire to this day it was crazy and i was like so no we weren't out there for oil but as i grew up and i learned yeah we were yeah. dick cheney I mean, was the one that pushed the oil thing bush yeah, just well, wanted to whole, get revenge for his dad yeah the problem you know if you really look at it al-qaeda is out of afghanistan iraq really didn't have nothing to do with 9 11. Oh, yeah. They, they were just like easier targets. I heard somebody say, like in the Defense Department, well, there's, it's, it's easier to target Iraq than it is Afghanistan because it's a mountainous region and, and they're really hidden in the mountains like the way the Viet Cong were in the jungle. Right? Yeah. So it was, it was easier to target the wide open desert than the mountains. So they, that, that's when they, they picked it. And there were other reasons, like because like the geopolitical nature of the oil industry. If you, you know, you hit Iran versus Iraq, and you have this big war between the both of them, then you basically get the outside world to control the oil. Yes. For both of them, and that's what's the kind of overall chess game. Because there's like this whole idea of balance of power, run by Nixon and Kissinger. These ideas that you do this high-level chess game to control the board. Right, and and people don't understand that, but that's what's going on. Multiple countries playing this chess game to get control of resources. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, and, that's uh, this is what led me to, uh, like a, a caveat. This is what actually led me to this topic is because when I was uh, when I was still in the military, I had the privilege of sitting on a um, on a briefing, a security briefing, and they showed me it was a need to know basis type of briefing. This stuff is is it's not classified, but it's just need to know. They're like, don't brag about it to everybody. Don't tell your friends or anything. But this is just something you need to know. I won't get into the, the specifics of each site um, because of the nature of everything. But um, I was told or we saw pictures of the sites that these terrorist organizations were actually um, were actually targeting, like the different monuments, the different parks, different places. They were all about. You know they wanted to target these places and blow them up to hit as many americans as possible so it was just really it's really really interesting to see that happen um you know and like because you know i don't want to keep talking about politics i wanted to talk about uh protecting yourself and making sure that uh we stay aware of our surroundings and um before i bring this uh this episode to a close i wanted to see if there was anyone else that had anything else to add about um about the subject at hand um, any experiences they may have had, any questions. Um, if if you're a lady and uh, you would you have some questions about how to avoid um, the concept of being sexually assaulted or or 
men or anyone like because anyone no one's immune from that that can actually happen but also something i i wanted to share and also uh, emphasize is ladies i know that when it comes down to sexual assault especially where you're concerned because there's there's a lot more damage that could, that could be inflicted upon a woman than a man. Men can't get pregnant. You know, a woman can be sexually assaulted and also impregnated, unfortunately, by a monster who would do something like that. Now, um, a lot of people don't talk about this part, but as the name of my show is called Real Talk with RJ, I'm a realist. I believe in calling it like I see it and being honest. If I walk outside with all the jewelry, I've said this on multiple podcasts before. Um, if I walk out with all my jewelry and Rolexes and I'm driving this gorgeous car, yeah, I have the right to do that. It's not illegal or morally wrong for me to wear what I worked hard to earn. But if I walk out with all that stuff, I'm asking to be robbed. I am drawing attention to all of that jewelry in my wealth. So I'm increasing the likelihood of somebody with bad intentions going, oh, he's got money. I'm going to take it. Most robbery is, is a result of opportunity and not planned. They just see you and go, oh, crap, he's got money. I want that chain. I'm going to go take it. And they just go up and snatch your chain and snatch all your stuff. But if I didn't wear that jewelry and all that stuff, the likelihood of me being robbed is severely dropped. Why did I say that? Because I want to suggest this point ladies you have the right to dress however you want you have the right to wear what you want you have the right to sleep with whoever you want that goes for men too we all have the right to live how we want to live but you have to accept some level of blame for your influence if you're dressing in very revealing clothing if you are dressing in 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 a skirt that shows the bottom of your butt or short shorts that show the bottom of your butt cheeks, you're drawing attention to your butt. And you know who likes to pay attention to that kind of stuff? People, normal guys, as well as people who happen to be looking for an opportunity to sexually assault you. If you dress modest, you're not drawing attention or you're less likely drawing attention to those parts of your body. When you dress modest, and I'm not shaming anyone, this is not meant to shame you, it's meant to help you fight back and prepare yourself from being against being a victim. If you dress modestly, you are forcing men to pay attention to your personality, to pay attention to you. If you dress revealing with your boobs hanging out and your butt cheeks hanging out, you're wearing really tight pants that identify every little curve you have and identify the freaking camel toe you have in the front. If you're showing all that stuff off and you're illustrating it and highlighting those things about yourself, all right, you have that right. But you're asking for attention. And when you ask for attention, you're likely to get it. That's just a reality. That's what a lot of people are not going to tell you. But it's true. If you're asking for attention, you're likely going to get it. If I'm being loud and obnoxious on the streets and I'm yelling at the top of my lungs and being disrespectful, I'm asking for attention. And I'm likely going to get it in the form of a police officer or somebody who's going to get tired of hearing me talk and going to come out there and try to face me and challenge me and fight me or shoot me. So if you're dressing very seductive and you're dressing very revealing, no man has the right to sexually assault you. But you're helping make that opportunity or you're helping influence the likelihood of that happen or that happening. 
It can happen to anybody, but it's less likely to happen to a woman who covers herself up. And a man is less likely to get robbed if he's modest about his finances. Floyd Mayweather could not walk outside by himself. I'm telling you, he could not walk outside down the street by himself. He throws too much money and he's known for carrying millions of dollars on him. And he's got a large entourage that stays with him everywhere he goes for that reason. They're armed, they're ready, and I've actually driven past him. He's got multiple uh, multiple SUVs that follow him. I happen to see him on the street. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, that's Floyd Mayweather. I, I didn't know he was going to be here. But all right, cool. And his car's full of goons, full of guys ready to roll for him. So just something to think about. Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, those guys could walk outside without security because people respect them. And they're also not, they don't throw their finances out like that. Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan is so respected. Kobe Bryant, so if he was still alive, rest in peace, brother. Those guys could walk outside because they don't sit there and throw their finances around like that. LeBron James can't walk outside by himself. He's too, he's very, uh, he's very expressive with his money and his opinion. He's, he's very out there. But be that as it may, I digress from the subject. I just wanted to say that for you ladies. You're less likely to be a victim if you take care and protect yourself and cover yourself up. You're also less likely to meet a man who's garbage. Again, less likely doesn't mean it's never going to happen. It means the likelihood that it would happen decreases significantly. If you cover yourself up and dress, you know, modestly, you may find somebody that's willing to pay attention to who you really are rather than what you got in them jeans. And if a man is willing to be frugal, even if you have a lot of money, if you're willing to be frugal and respectful and modest with your funds, you're more likely to find a partner who loves you for you and wants you for you and doesn't care about how much money you make. If you go out and, you know, you wear this extravagant, obnoxious stuff that's, you know, very high end, you're more likely going to draw attention from a gold digger. That's what I'm saying. If you don't want to be a victim, don't dress in a way that is bait to those who seek to victimize you. If you're a very curvy woman, you're very, you know, we like everybody is supposed to have confidence in themselves, but you know, if you got body, you can tell the attention, you know, you got that, that body that just people look all the time. If you're one of those girls, don't walk at night by yourself. Always have somebody with you park next to a, a light post. If you see a van or an SUV or something with tinted windows parked next to your car, don't go near your car. Go get security and have them walk you to your car. Don't go walking next to, to dark vans and stuff like that by yourself. Be smart. And if you like to drink, make sure you have somebody with you that doesn't drink. That way you don't end up And also, ladies, please, guys and ladies, actually, this can this can go both ways because guys can be sexually assaulted just like women can. If you're not careful, I'm telling you this, this is a real thing. If you go to a bar and you get a drink, if you are not actively drinking your beverage, keep your hand over your, over the top of your drink. Like if you have a bottle, keep your thumb over the, the, uh, the, the opening of your bottle. If you're not drinking, keep your thumb on the opening. If you have a cup, 
then keep your hand, like the palm of your hand, over the opening of the cup. And only remove it when you're about to drink. The reason why is because it doesn't take much for somebody to slip a pill inside your drink. And never set your drink down. If you set your drink down, abandon it. Don't drink it anymore. That's just, that's a real thing. Because somebody can slip a pill in your drink and make you pass out. And then, you know, they can come kidnap you, take you somewhere else, and then do what they want to do to you. Even if you have friends, they can get both you guys if you're not careful. They can have one person distract you for a split second or distract your, your friend for a split second and then get you out of the club. Because drunk people walk in and out of the club all the time. So they're not going to pay special attention to you when you're sitting there and like drunk. They're just like, oh, yeah, she had a good time. So it's time for her to go. That's it. I've had people bring me drinks and I, I won't drink them. I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't. I, when people bring me drinks, if I don't know or trust you, I won't drink anything I didn't see made. And if, you know, um, I wouldn't drink anything that was, you know, laid down, that was set down. I made the mistake of setting a drink down one time when I, and I forgot that I sat it down. I'm like, oh, well, that's done. I'm not drinking that anymore. I'm like, how come? I'm like, because it's sit down. I, I, I took my eyes off it. So I don't trust it. So just some things to consider. Does anybody else have anything they like to add before I bring this session to a close or this episode to a close? Please feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your opinions. And if there's any stories you'd like to share, feel free. We had some great, great feedback today. I'm really grateful for my three guests that came on. I really give thanks for each and every one of you guys. Um, just also, like, I, I want you to know, like, ladies, I used to be a dog. I used to hurt so many hearts, break so many hearts, destroy so many families. That's who I used to be. Who I am today is completely opposite of who I once was. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I've come to have a level of respect for women that I never knew. I absolutely love and respect women and I absolutely love and respect, you know, honorable, upstanding men. And when I say women, I'm not talking about just, you know, females. I'm talking about real ladies. I respect you. I love you. And I fight hard, hard for you. And I fight hard for real honorable men who step up to the place for, to you know, take care of their responsibilities and be protectors and providers to the best of their ability. I support equal partnerships. I support equality. And I just don't want to see people become victims just because they're pretty faces. And then there's this there's this uh, narrative out there right now that a lady can wear whatever she wants and she has the right to not be sexually assaulted, which is true. You absolutely are right. You do have that right. But if you put bait on a hook, you're going to get a bite. So you have if, uh, you absolutely have the right to be mad at somebody for taking advantage of you and victimizing you. But you have to, in necessity, take responsibility for your part. It is less likely it probably may not have happened if, you know, it, and again, it's saying probably not guaranteed, but it is less likely to happen if you are modest than it is like you don't hear about nuns. I mean, I know that I'm sure there are some nuns who have had it, but you don't hear about that being a common thing. You know, nuns aren't out there getting kidnapped and sexually assaulted by guys on the streets. If it happens more often than not, it's probably within the same church building, you know, for the corruption that might be between that individual. 
so i'm just saying like these are things to consider people who are modest are less likely to get you know victimized in robbery or sexual assault than those who are flamboyant with the way they choose to wear or dress and live just something to consider man you are so much more than money ladies you are so much more than a vagina and a sexy booty you're so much more than sex your treasures so just consider those things I really appreciate each and every one of you I really appreciate that you took time to listen to me and again as always I know that you could have anything to do today or any other day but yet you choose to spend this time with me thank you so much and please remember to like please remember to follow and please remember to share this episode with everyone you know Please also go out there and listen to my other podcast episodes uh, available on Spotify, available Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, uh, basically anywhere that podcasts are available. You can find this, um, my podcast and all the other episodes that I have not recorded on Wisdom. You can hear them and the icon is the exact same as the icon on here. And it's called Real Talk with RJ. So feel free to reach out and feel free to follow that and listen to it and share it with everyone you know. Also, if you want to email me with any questions, because, you know, sometimes I get it. Some people just don't want to talk because they don't want to put themselves on blast with their the picture, the profile, and the name. You can email me, ask me any questions you want. My email is ross.curtis723 at gmail.com. Again, that is ross.curtis723 at gmail.com. For the subject line, please put podcast so I know it's from you and it's not spam. Um, I always do check my messages and I will respond as soon as I can. Um... And I really appreciate each and every one of you guys. Have a great evening. And again, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share so we can continue to go. So far, we've reached over 12 countries and we are all over the United States. I like to keep it growing and I can't do it without you. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I really enjoyed this and I really enjoyed the feedback and I really love and enjoy and appreciate each and every one of you individually as well as a group. Have a great day and thank you so much for listening to Real Talk with RJ. Signing out.